Mindfully. Good morning, dear Sangha. Very beautiful morning. I can see the field of uh, sunflowers blooming. Today is uh, Thursday, the 25th of July, 2013, and we are in the Assembly of Stars Meditation Hall in the lower hamlet of Plum Village. This is the third um, week of uh, our summer opening. Today we have a session of questions and answers. And the children have, uh, will have the chance to ask uh, their questions. They will ask about uh, four or five questions. 
Then after that, the teenagers will be invited to ask uh, their questions. We like to to listen to the questions of children and uh, teenagers very much. Very, very interesting questions. Very important also. And then young adults, I encourage uh, to come and ask their questions. And there will be plenty of time for the rest of us to ask our questions. We know that a good question can benefit many people. And that is why we should ask uh, the real question, the question of the heart, a question that has to do with our suffering, our difficulties, our practice, our happiness. A, A question that has to do with the practice because only the practice can help us uh, transform and get out of a difficult situation. The, the tradition is that um, before we ask a question, we listen to the bell and we breathe in and out three times deeply. And if the whole uh, Sangha practice breathing like that, we will create uh, a very powerful collective energy of peace and mindfulness that will help uh, nourish every one of us. You may like to ask your question, your question in French or English. Oh, Vietnamese. But if you ask in Chinese or in Spanish, you have to bring your own translator. And those of you who have a question are invited to come up here and uh, to take uh, your turn to sit on this chair so that everyone can see you. And before asking any question, we listen and to the bell and we breathe. So, uh, children, teenagers, young adults, and adults, come here and sit close to the table. It's very beautiful from here. The Sangha is beautiful. The rolling hills are beautiful. Only five questions uh, for children. Chụp cái hình này để để đưa lên bàn. Có ai đang chụp cái hình này chưa? Teenagers, adults, 
young adult, uh, adults. From time to time, you will read one question that one of those questions that have been written down. This is the first question. How can I stop worrying? How can I stop worrying? Easy. (laughs) If you breathe in mindfully and you put all your mind into your in-breath, the worry will go away, right away. Uh, if you, uh, if you, you know how to do walking meditation, and if you put all your attention on making a step and enjoying, enjoying that step, and then there's no worry possible during that time. Or when you play volleyball or basketball, and if you put all your mind and body in playing and enjoy the present moment, there's no worry possible. And when you eat your breakfast, and if you look deeply into your breakfast, enjoy your muesli, your yogurt, uh, your bread, uh, enjoy the presence of your fellow uh, practitioners, and then there's no worry possible. We need to be mindful, concentrated on what is going on and enjoy, and then the worry cannot do anything to us. Thank you for asking the question. A good question. Do you think that your anger has come from the outside in and now you want to let it out again? Are you sure that the anger is coming from the outside? That is a counter question. (laughs) In Plum Village, uh, we learn 
how to to deal with our anger, how to take care of our anger. Anger in, is not something pleasant. It's like the mud. But uh, without the mud, you cannot uh, grow lotus flowers. So the mud is uh, useful somehow. So your anger is useful somehow. So maybe you should not get it out. You should not throw it away. If you know how to make good use of your anger, you can you can grow the lotus of uh, peace, of uh, joy, of forgiveness. And this is a very teaching, very deep teaching in Plum Yeah, we have been learning about this. Anger comes up not from the outside, but from the inside. Because uh, we do not understand, and that is why we cannot love. And if uh, we look deeply, uh, we listen deeply, we'll be able to understand and when we understand there is love, and when there is love, anger just transforms itself. You don't have to take anger and throw it away. Uh, in fact, anger is something that you can use, and if you, you, you hold that anger in understanding, in compassion, then anger becomes something like uh, love, like uh, like uh, compassion. I give you an example. The other fellow this morning said something unkind to you. Hmm? He did something, or he said something unkind to you, and you suffer, and anger is coming up. And usually, if you are not a good practitioner, you want to give that boy or that girl a punch. <laughs> Punish him or her. And that is anger in us. And that anger is a kind of mud. It could smear everything. So we need to be aware that that mud of anger we have to to handle and do not let the mud to to smear us and smear the, the other person. So you may like to breathe in calmly, mindfully, and look at that boy or girl. And what do you see in him or in her? You see that there is a violence in him, there is a anger, suffering in him, or in her. If that boy and or her girl is happy, he will, he will not 
uh, he, he would not have uh, said something mean like that. He wouldn't have done something violent like that. But he did not. He did not have the happiness. He does not have the happiness in him. That is why uh, he suffer. And when he suffer like that, he he want to get his suffering out by saying something mean to you or doing something um, unkind to you. And he think that by doing so, he will suffer less. That's not very intelligent. So when you look and you see that boy is unhappy, there is anger, violence in him, and he does not know how to handle the violence in him, the, the unhappiness in him. That is why he suffers. And when he suffers like that, it's natural that he makes people around him suffer. So when you see the anger in him or in her, and you understand that anger, you are no longer angry at him. Poor boy, poor little boy, poor little girl, they suffer. I don't want to punish him, uh, to make him suffer more. I want to make him suffer less. And you smile at him. You said, dear friend, I know that you suffer. I'm not angry at you, even if you have said something like that to me, even if you have done something like that to me, because you suffer a lot. So I, I don't blame you. I'm not angry at you. I'm breathing in and out. I understand you. That is why I'm not angry at you. I do not suffer. So you are a good practitioner. And he will be amazed. Other people will react differently. They will hit him or tell him something very mean. But you are not doing like that. You are reacting in a very different way with uh, tenderness, loving kindness, smile. And he will be amazed. And one day he will ask you, how can you do that? When someone said something very um, brutal, very mean, and does something very uh, violent like that, and you still keep your calm, your peace. How? And then you tell him, you tell her how you have come to Plum Village and learn that kind of mindful breathing and recognize the anger and recognize anger in you and in, in that person. So we come here at, uh, uh, as a very young people and we learn these wonderful things. And you might be able to share that with your, your friends when you go back to school. That is also a good question.
Difficult question, <laughs> but I will try. I think that God is uh, everything. God is everything. And uh, certainly, God is not an idea or a notion. God is very real. And you can get in touch with God if you are mindful, concentrated, and insightful. When you come to Plum Village as a practitioner of meditation, you cultivate the energy of mindfulness, concentration, and insight. And if you have these three energies, Surely you can get in touch with God. Right in Plum Village. Uh, when you go home, you continue to get in touch with God. You know that when you, when you stop thinking, when you breathe in mindfully and enjoy breathing in, you can already get in touch with God. Because when you breathe in like that, you enjoy breathing in, and you find out that uh, breathing in is wonderful. As I breathe in, I know that I'm alive. And to be alive is a wonderful thing. And as I breathe in, I become very alive. I see my body and my mind are wonderful. And I can get in touch with the sunshine, with the hills, with the sunflowers, with the water running from the water tap. And there are so many wonders of life in me and around me. And when I do walking meditation, I recognize that the path leading uphill uh, to the wood is filled of wonders. The grass, the tiny flowers, the insect, the sunshine, everything is one, is, is a wonder. A pebble, a leaf, a flower, a butterfly, everything is a wonder. And I can see God in, every, in everything. You can see God in a pebble, in a piece of dust, in a butterfly, in a in a, in a, in a sunflower, you can see God in the other fellow. 
And if uh, you see God like that, you are a happy person. You do not want to do any harm to yourself. And you do not want to do any harm to the other people. Even if they are violent, even if they suffer, they suffer because they have not been able to be in touch with God. But if uh, they practice mindfulness, concentration and insight, if they are mindful, concentrated and insightful, they have a chance to, to realize that they are in the kingdom of God. We are really in the kingdom of God. And when we do walking meditation, we walk in the kingdom of God. If you do walking meditation correctly, you see that you are walking in the kingdom of God. And if the kingdom is there, God is there also. So you can get in touch with God and the kingdom of God with every breath and every step. And that is what I do during walking meditation. And there are monks, nuns, and lay practitioners who are able to do so, enjoy the kingdom of God. It means to enjoy God. So to me, God is not an abstract idea, but uh, something very real that you can encounter in every moment of your daily life. Your body belongs to the kingdom of God. Your mind also. That flower, that stream of water, that tree, they all belong to the kingdom of God. And it's too bad if we are caught in our anger, in our fear, in our jealousy, that we cannot get in touch the, with the kingdom of God. And if we, we, we don't know how to, how to get in touch with the kingdom of God and with God, and then our life will... Well, we waste, waste our life. Mm. So in Brahmalaya, we learn to walk in such a way, to sit in such a way, to eat in such a way, to take a shower in such a way that we can get in touch with the wonders of life that belong to the kingdom of God. And I will tell you, everything belongs to the kingdom of God, including this lotus flower, including this little boy. And uh, we should continue to learn in order to understand this more deeply. Thank you.
Why do I suffer? Tell us a little bit more about your suffering. Titi Tinudi Emperor apropos de ta souffrance. Qu'est-ce que tu souffres? Tu souffres de quoi? De la chaleur? De la faim? De quoi? Je demande pourquoi euh, des fois je, je me sens, je souffre, je me sens triste, je, me, je suis toute seule et je souffre. Et je suis pas joyeuse. To suffer, that is uh, normal. But uh, there are many ways to suffer. In Plumless, we learn to suffer. Suffering is part of life. In in plum village we learn how to how to suffer. If we know how to suffer, we suffer much less. And uh, we can make good use of the suffering in order to create happiness. It's like uh, in plum village there is a mud, and uh, because you know how to make good use of the mud, you can grow lotus flowers. So people who do not know to, how to suffer, they suffer a lot. They are overwhelmed by their suffering. But those of us who know how to suffer, we suffer much, much less. And then we can make good use of the suffering in order to make the lotus of happiness. Everyone suffers, including the Buddha, including Thai. But uh, those of us who practice uh, meditation, we know how to suffer. That is why we don't complain. We suffer much less. And we can, and suffering helps us to understand. Because suffering is very useful. It's like the mud. The mud is not useless. It is useful because you can make lotus flowers out of it. So when you experience suffering, you may ask, what can I make use of this suffering? There is loneliness in me. Loneliness is not pleasant. But there is a reason why I feel lonely. Usually I think that I'm alone because of uh, the fact that everyone is so busy. Uh, Mother is so busy, father is so busy. Everyone is so busy, no no one is taking care of me. Uh, Nobody understands me. 
Nobody understand what I need. Nobody understand the suffering in me, so you feel lonely. And many of us feel that kind of loneliness. But those of us who know meditation, we look deeply into that loneliness. And we understand. Understand, we understand that, uh, that the father is so busy. He has a lot of uh, worries in him. Mother also has her own uh, problems. And maybe they, have, they are not capable of uh, sorting out of these things. That is why they do not have enough time to take care of us and to see our loneliness of suffering. Sometimes they say something that makes that loneliness and suffering increases. So that kind of understanding brings relief, brings relief and makes us suffer less. So to practice is to bring in more understanding and compassion. And, it com- and if understanding and compassion is there, we suffer much less. And it can help the other people around us to suffer much less. If we know how to be fresh, how to be tender, how to be compassionate, how to be pleasant, if we know how to smile, to be joyful in a in difficult situation, and then we can help even adults. And that is something we can learn. So suffering is part of life. And uh, we learn that uh, if we know how to suffer, it means uh, practicing mindfulness and concentration and look deeply and understand we don't suffer much as much as other people. Like I, I just told the, uh, the, the other young person that when you look uh, in that uh, little boy or little girl who just did something unkind to you, and you see the suffering in him or in her, and you feel uh, pity, you feel uh, compassionate to him or her, so you do not suffer from anger anymore. You want to do something or to say something to help that little boy or little girl suffer less. So, so that is how uh, we learn to suffer less and to and to make good use of suffering. Understanding suffering brings about compassion, compassion and love. And compassion and love make us fresh, uh, uh, pleasant, and uh, and uh, understanding and compassion uh, transform the anger, the loneliness. Uh, the worries in us. And uh, don't wish that um, that suffering disappears altogether. If suffering disappears altogether, there will be no happiness. It's like uh, the mud. If you ban 
all the mud out of the world. There will be, there will never be lotus flowers. So don't don't try to to make the mud disappear altogether. If the mud disappear altogether, there is no lotus flowers. The suffering is the same. Suffering is needed somehow, and that is why we have come to learn together how to handle suffering, how to suffer less, and how to make good use of suffering in order to create the flower of happiness. It's very wonderful. We can speak about the usefulness of suffering, the goodness of suffering, la bienfaisance, de la souffrance. This is the fifth question, the last one. I think there are things we can do. They, they don't want us. They want to exclude us by, because they have not seen us. Yeah. But we can, we can contribute a lot to, to their, their games, their joy. <coughs> uh, we also have talents. Uh, we, we we have uh, we can we can we can participate. We can um, we can uh, contribute to that joy, that happiness. I think uh, we should practice in order to have more uh, freshness, like a flower. Pebble meditation. Breathing in, I see myself as a flower. Breathing out, I feel fresh. So that kind of meditation helps us to restore our beauty and our freshness. Breathing in, I see myself as still water. Breathing out, I feel peaceful and calm. So we practice like that and we have peace and beauty in us. And then very soon they will see that this person is very pleasant because he has a lot of peace a lot of tenderness, 
a lot of uh, freshness, a lot of, of beauty in him. Uh, when we exclude him, he did not, he does not get angry. He continues to smile. Uh, he can be, uh, he can, he can be joyful even if we exclude him. So from uh, slowly they will see that uh, to include that boy into their circle uh, make them will make them happier. So it depends uh, on us a lot on us, not only on them. They have excluded us because they are not able to see our value, our beauty, our peace. You see. So the practice will help us to be more uh, beautiful, more fresh, uh, more peaceful, more solid, more joyful. And they will need us, surely, because um, in that group there is violence, some violence, some, uh, some anger, some uh, fear. So, uh, so they also suffer in their own group. And, uh, and one day when we got into that group, we can help them to suffer less and to have more joy. That is why the practice is very, uh, very important. Depends on us more than on them. So now the, the teenagers are uh, uh, requested, uh, encouraged to ask the questions, and the children may like to uh, continue the practice uh, in the open air. Can you repeat the whole question? So did I, our friend said that uh, two months ago, yeah, I think, uh, two months ago she found a lump in her breast and fortunately it turned out to be benign, so it's not life-threatening, but it, it caused her some, some concern and so she came to the question how Buddhism can help in serious illnesses. Is that right? Mm. 
the practice of uh, mindful breathing, especially especially when you practice uh, breathing deeply, can help uh, strengthen your lungs, make make them strong, stronger. And when your lungs are stronger, they can resist. Uh, Mm, infections and things like that. And not only uh, the practice of mindful breathing can help your lungs, but it can help your whole body, every cell in your body. When uh, Vietnam, my country, was uh, divided into north and south, and my mother passed away, I had a depression. And uh, doctors could not help, but with the practice of mindful breathing, I got out of the situation. The practice of mindful breathing is uh, wonderful. It can heal many, many diseases. During the time I, I had that depression, I practiced um, mindful breathing and mindful walking. Uh, in the hospital also, I found um, the way to do walking meditation every day, any time that is available for the practice, I, I will take in order to do walking and uh, breathing. Especially especially when the air is uh, good, pure, of good quality, and the practice of breathing uh, can help the body very much. And when you have uh, some trouble in, in in your body, and you have not seen what, is, what you should do. The doctor has not uh, told you what to do in order to deal with that uh, problem in your body. And then you know that mindful breathing is what you can do right away. Take up the practice and breathe. Every breath can be healing. That's my conviction, my practice. Every breath can be nourishing, every breath can be healing. Every breath can help not only your lungs, but also your kidney, uh, uh, your liver, um, all the cells in your body, all the cells in your body. This is um, very clear. Uh, walking meditation, uh, breathing meditation. Uh, you you practice in such a way that uh, the in breath is pleasant. The step you make is pleasant, and you know that uh, every step, every every breath uh, can help uh, with the healing.
this is something very certain for Thai. And then the other thing is that uh, you should not uh, allow the, the, the energy of uh, worry to take over. And this is very important. The lump is uh, benign, but if you imagine too much, or you think I'm going to die very soon, and they make the situation much worse. So to worry is not good. And there are ways in order to deal with worries. Uh, the Buddha talk about the second arrow, which is a very good teaching. He said that someone is uh, struck by an arrow, and the pain, suffering is there. But if uh, a second arrow comes and strikes exactly at the same spot, and then the suffering, the pain will not only double, it can be ten times or more uh, intense. So don't let the second arrow to come. And that second arrow is the worry. If we let the anger and the worry to take hold of us, we suffer 100 times more. And that is why <coughs> practice in order not to let your anger, your protest, your, anger, your despair, and your fear to, uh, to take over. That is the second arrow. It's very uh, harmful, the second arrow. So with um, mindful breathing, mindful walking, you look deeply and you recognize the thing as it is. Do not exaggerate. Do not exaggerate. And if uh, needed, we, we can consult a physician, a dharma teacher, a psychotherapist, and never to imagine too much and to exaggerate too much. That is the second error. That these are two things that every one of us can take up and practice to deal with what is not going well in our body and in our mind. And the third thing is the meditation on, uh, on birth and death. Even if you are uh, in, a, in terminal illness, you can practice so that uh, joy can still be possible. The nature, our true nature, is the nature of no birth and no death. When we look uh, into uh, a cloud, we see that uh, a cloud can never die. A cloud can become uh, rain or snow or ice or river or tea, but a cloud can never become nothing. It is beautiful to be in the form of a cloud, 
but it is, it is also it is equally beautiful to be in the form of the rain or a river. So uh, to die is not something possible. You can change uh, uh, the form of manifestation, but you cannot die. And when a person in uh, the phase of terminal illness, uh, and if she or he is instructed by a teacher to meditate like that, she will not be afraid of dying because she will be manifesting again in another form. So in Buddhism we, we learn many things in order to deal with uh, the problem of illness. And remember, first of all, mindful breathing, mindful walking with joy, serenity can help uh, uh, prevent illness and uh, bring relief and allow the healing to take place more quickly. And the second teaching is not to allow the second arrow to strike us. Reincarnation sounds like uh, the word uh, when we speak, uh, when we pronounce the word uh, reincarnation. It looks like uh, the body and the soul, the body and the mind are two separate things. And the body is somehow like uh, a house. For the, for the soul, for the spirit. So when the body disintegrates, and then the soul will fly out and go into another new uh, body. When we, uh, and we understand the word reincarnation like that. Maybe uh, in popular Buddhism, uh, people can believe like that. But in deep Buddhism, that is not uh, correct. Mm. In deep Buddhism, there is no soul that can uh, be without body. That does not mean that when the body 
is dead, the soul is dead at the same time, because uh, we, have, we have heard that uh, there is no death, there is only continuation. For the cloud, there is no death, but it is always a continuation. So continuation is, is a good word. It's a better word than die, death. And uh, the other word, uh, rebirth, is better than reincarnation, rebirth. Uh, the cloud is reborn in the rain. Huh? You don't say that the cloud is reincarnated in the rain. So there is a constant uh, uh, continuation. Uh, nothing can, can die exactly. And uh, in the realm of science, they have discovered something like, like that. Uh, the French uh, scientist Lavoisier said that um, nothing can be born, like nothing can die. He spoke about um, everything, cloud and everything. So the first law of uh, thermodynamics that we have learned is telling us the same concerning matter and energy. You can transform matter into energy, energy into another kind of energy, energy into back into matter again. But you cannot destroy matter, you cannot destroy energy, you cannot create new matter, you cannot create new energy. They are always transforming, on the way of transformation. No birth and no death. And science, um, scientists, many scientists have uh, come very close to Buddhist teaching of no birth and no death. Uh, a cloud can never die. Any cloud um, has never been born. Because in our mind, to be born means uh, from nothing you become something. From no one, you become someone. Before you are born from your mother, you did not exist. That's the, you did not exist at all. You come from the realm of uh, non-being. Uh, only when you near. And that is our way of thinking about birth and death. But we know very, very well that uh, the cloud has not come from the non-être, the non-being. Before it expresses itself as a cloud, it had been the water in the ocean. The water vapor. The cloud has not come from nothing. 
It's not, uh, it has not been born. It's only a continuation. So to, to express itself as a, a cloud that is only one way of manifestation. So the word manifestation is better than the word birth. So next, um, next birthday, instead of singing happy birthday, you may say happy manifestation day or happy continuation day. So when someone is dying, she's not really dying. She's transforming him, himself or herself into uh, something else, something maybe more beautiful, more fresh, younger. And that is also, it can be happy, a happy event to die. Happy continuation, happy transformation. So that is the way Buddhism should look. There's no birth and no death. And then we know that the idea of reincarnation had been there before the Buddha came. In the Upanishad, there was also the, the idea of reincarnation. Even the, the, the notion of uh, of um, retribution. So, uh, retribution and recognition are not the, at the heart of Buddhist teaching. At the heart of Buddhist teaching is uh, impermanence, no self, interbeing, the form of noble truth, the noble eightfold path. And uh, the, Buddha, the Buddha has accepted. Uh, Mm. the teaching of uh, retribution and uh, reincarnation. But reincarnation in Buddhism should be on the base of no-self, should be understood in the light of no-self, in the light of impermanence, in the light of, uh, in the light of uh, interbeing. And tomorrow, on the Dharma talk tomorrow, we'll Hopefully we can, we can discuss a little bit about this uh, matter of birth and death. So there is no birth and no death. And when uh, this body disintegrates, you continue always. It's like when you don't see your cloud in the sky anymore, she continues. The problem is how to recognize her in her new form. And uh, that kind of understanding removes fear. The fear of non-being, the fear of death.
Misunderstanding, wrong perceptions are a part of life, like the mud. Misunderstanding, wrong perceptions are the foundation of war, conflict, death, suffering. That is the mud. And the practice help us to dissipate misunderstanding, remove uh, wrong perceptions, restore communication, and bring about reconciliation, transforming the mud into a lotus flower. This is possible. And the teaching of the Buddha can help us do this as a person, as a group of people. And when you can do it as a group of people, you can change the situation of society. And that is why to practice as an individual is not enough. You have to practice as a group. As a Sangha. There are those uh, of us who are so afraid to love. We do not dare to open our heart. We are afraid because we have suffered. And and we think that to love is to suffer. It's uh, regrettable because true love can bring a lot of uh, healing and joy. There is a poet who wrote like this, uh, spring has come, every flower is uh, open, opening out, but why my heart refused to open? Because there is fear, the fear to suffer again, because we have not learned the art of loving. Of course, the other person is unskillful, but we are also unskillful. We don't know how to love yet. We allow misunderstanding, wrong perception to take over, and we make us suffer, and we make each other suffer. So the teaching of the Buddha on love, we should learn.
The first element of true love is uh, maitri, love and kindness. And true love should be able to bring happiness. Love and kindness is the energy that can bring happiness to us and to the other person. If uh, a love that cannot bring happiness is not love, it is something else. Passion, mm, craving, sensual pleasure, the desire to possess, is not love. So loving kindness is some kind, a kind of energy that we have to cultivate. If it is true love, and then it should bring well-being, happiness to us and to the other person. And how to cultivate um, loving kindness? To look, to have the time to look and understand. Understanding the suffering, the difficulties, and the need of the other person. The suffering, the difficulties, and our own need. We need the time to look into ourselves. We need to understand our suffering, our difficulties, and the deep aspiration in us. And we, are, we should be able to accept us as we are. So understanding is the foundation of uh, love, of, uh, of uh, loving kindness. We should ask, do I understand myself? Do I understand my suffering, my difficulties? If you understand your own suffering, your difficulties, you feel much better. You accept yourself. And then when you look at the other person, you can understand his or her suffering much more easily. So the first step is to understand self and to accept self. And the second step is to understand the other and accept the other. Without that kind of understanding and acceptance, happiness is not possible. And true love is to be cultivated. The second uh, element of true love is uh, compassion. Compassion is uh, the energy that can heal. When you have compassion in your heart, you suffer much less. And you open your heart so easily. Look at the other person deeply and you see the suffering in him or in her. That person is victim of her own suffering, his own suffering. And he does not know how to handle that suffering in him. He continues to suffer deeply and he makes you suffer also, not because he wants to, So understanding the suffering in that person, you are not angry at him or her anymore. And you want to, to do something, to say something to help that person suffer less. 
It means you have compassion in your heart. If you want to do something or to say something to help him or her suffer less, it means that compassion is in your heart. And as compassion is in your heart, you don't suffer anymore. Because you have opened your heart to yourself. And now you can open your heart to him or to her. And that is the second energy of true love, compassion, karuna. And when you have a lot of karuna, it's called maha karuna, great compassion. You are a bodhisattva, you are a Buddha, because uh, the compassion in you are so, so large. Your heart includes not only him, her, but you include us all, Maha Karuna. And Maha Karuna, the energy of compassion is to, to be cultivated. And without getting in touch with the suffering, without understanding suffering, you cannot generate the energy of Karuna, compassion. When compassion is born, it begins to heal. Heal you and heal the world. And with the practice of uh, meditation on love, metta, maitri meditation, karuna meditation, you suffer less. You begin to taste uh, the nectar of love and you open your heart so easily to the world. The third element of true love is joy. If if your love does not bring joy to you and make the other person cry all day long, it's not true love. (laughs) So the mark of true love is joy. And joy is healing. And the fourth element of true love is uh, inclusiveness, openness. Inclusiveness means that you open your heart and allow that person to be inside of your heart. And without opening your heart, how can you include her, include him in, in your heart? And as you continue, your heart grows bigger and bigger all the time. And very soon, you will include us, because you don't discriminate against us anymore. Your, your, your heart is so large that you include us of all. Include all of us in your heart. That is the love of a Buddha, which does not exclude anyone. Not only humans, but also animals, plants, and minerals, or embrace in that love. That is equanimity. That is non-discrimination. And the Buddha's teaching on love is very specific, very clear, concrete. And if we uh, practice, we cultivate these four elements. Happiness begins to be with us right away. We don't need many months or years. The moment when we begin to practice uh, Maitri, Karuna, Buddhita, and Upeksha, 
happiness begins in our heart. We open our heart to ourselves, to him, to her right away. Today we have a picnic lunch. We will bring our sandwich along with our walking meditation. When we hear the bell, we gather around the bell tower. And we do walking meditation to the wood. And then we come back and we will sit in the poplar grove. And they will be sitting and having lunch with you. So let us enjoy a mindful walk, mindful lunch together today. <coughs>